stop me if you've heard this one before. A nun, an entertainer, and an outlaw all walk in to a bar. Warrior, cleric, rat catcher? This is the War Games Orchard. Welcome to the show. My name is Nathan Stone, and we have a very special guest with us today to talk all about Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. This is Marcel. Say hello to everybody, Marcel. Hello, and hello, Nathan. Hello. I'm so glad to have you with me today. Marcel is a friend of the show, a buddy of mine who lives all the way over in Germany, and he is most importantly, the game master for our ongoing Warhammer Fantasy roleplay 4th edition game. And he basically threatened me that if I didn't have him on the show, my character would meet with the most grisly fate imaginable. Uh, that's a lie. I know my character is going to meet with the most grisly fate imaginable, but that will be my own doing, probably. <laughs> and the rolling of your dice, of course. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've done pretty well lately. I started off really badly, but I, I think I've I've come around a little bit on the dice rolling. The great Warhammer Fantasy roleplay is such a fun topic. Scott and I have done a little bit with it on the Patreon, but this is the first time we've covered it on a proper podcast. And before we get into all of the fun roleplay goodness, let's learn a little bit about Marcel. Marcel, why don't you tell us uh, your hobby history? How did you how did you get to where you are today? I started playing with the typical toy plastic toy soldiers in the eighties. Um, so the Airfix twenty millimeter stuff, and then it started, I think, at the age of ten or so, with building model kits. So all the fumes and <laughs> from the paints and glues. That were my, I think, first drug experience ever. <laughs> uh, and um, after that, I was thinking, oh, man, these uh, beautiful mo models I built and painted are now here standing on the shelf collecting dust. And then I also got in contact with role playing. I think I was 13 or 14. And we've got here in Germany fantasy role playing system that is wildly available in, in normal toy stores um, because the publisher was a very big publisher for, for family board games and that stuff. So you could buy it in not only hobby stores, but kind of everywhere. And I bought that. It is a typical um, fantasy setting, not, yeah, high-end fantasy, I would say. It's called Realms of Arcadia in English, I think. In roughly translated, the German name is the Dark Eye. And it is a huge thing here in Germany. You've got novels, you've got even now a lot of computer games. There was even a tabletop system available. So everything. And I started playing that. And I went to a role-playing convention. And there in the back corner of the room were guys playing a historical wargaming. And I saw that they were playing American Civil War with 15 millimeter miniatures. And I've just watched here the movie Gettysburg, I think. Ah. And 
I was just fascinated because I was thinking, oh, they are touching the models. They are moving them around because as a, <laughs> as building model kits, you just build them and put them away and admired them from afar. And then, oh man, what, what are you doing? <laughs> and it was so cool. And I talked with the guys and they just invited me to play with them. So they said, here's your regiment and here's your couple of dice. And what do you want to do? And I was thinking, okay, there's a gun position. I want to charge the guns. Okay, cool. You can move this and this far here with the tape measurement and then roll some dice. And my guys moved uh, up the hill, attacking the artillery. The artillery fired. I rolled some dice and I removed some stands and rolled again. And then my guys run away. <laughs> and I was thinking, okay, what's happening? I just lost here, I don't know, five miniatures. Uh, these were 200 guys and they are all dead now. Oh, okay. Oh, and that was my first experience with <laughs> war gaming. And after that, um, I met up with the guys regularly. They got a club. So I came in contact with historical war gaming and not with the classic way of Warhammer Fantasy. And during all the role-playing stuff and going to a hobby store where was all the role-playing and tabletop games available, I came into contact with the Warhammer role-playing game and also a lot of other role-playing games. And because the Warhammer fantasy battles was so way out of my pocket money, <laughs> I started with the role-playing game because you just bought the rulebook and maybe some adventures and then you were fine to go. And so we played that kind of regularly with different guys. So the groups were changing. And uh, I collected on here um, historical miniatures a lot. And then at university, it started with a new group. So it moved kind of along. And now I'm sitting here in my room, in my hobby room. And I must say, achieved my goal one side of the wall looks exactly like the shelves in my hobby store back then because i collected now all the old role-playing games and board games and warhammer fantasy games i ever wanted with all the crazy sub games or specialized games you ever need like man of war mighty empires war master space hulk you you know what I mean. So, um, yeah, that's just crazy. And with a regular job and an income, it's 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 horrible. Yeah, with eBay <laughs> and all the Facebook trading groups. Yeah, and um, so I'm kind of stopped playing historical war gaming. I'm I'm just still, I would say, painting and collecting stuff, but not mm -hmm. playing because it's really a niche. And you need the right guys or the right rule system. So it depends. But here with the old um, Warhammer fantasy battles, that's kind of easy. And now with all the remote gaming, I mean, that's just unbelievable. You can play with guys all over the world, like here, Man of War with Joshua in Japan and so on. That's just crazy. Or here, our role-playing campaign because of the pandemic. I had to look um, for new ways to get in touch with guys and playing role-playing again because, of course, normally I play person-to-person, -person, yeah, meeting up in a guy's place and playing face-to-face -face very 
just classic. And yeah, with uh, people and family and regular jobs or moving to different cities, it's always kind of hard to stay in contact on, and to get a regular gaming group, especially if you're playing huge campaigns. I tried out uh, playing remotely and I must say it's different, but not bad. So it got... It has its pros and cons, I would mm -hmm. say, but I think we will touch this topic later on. So, yeah, um, that's kind of my way. So I'm still feeling with a teenager with a credit <laughs> card uh, from the dad and being in the hobby store and can buy everything you ever wanted. It's no, oh. no, it's it's fine. It's fine. That's yeah. awesome. I, <laughs> yeah. I like that your story here has kind of a backwards vibe to it in that. I've heard so many stories about people starting with Warhammer or Warhammer 40,000, and then as they get older, they move into historicals and that kind of thing. I, I like that you started with the models and then, yeah, found historical gaming and then found Warhammer. And uh, that's, yeah, that's great. I, I mm -hmm. love the fact <laughs> that you could start with Warhammer Fantasy roleplay to get a foot in the door of the world, kind of, as it were. And it's great. Yeah. And that's one thing I did actually want to touch on in the podcast is it's it's a very accessible way to play around in Warhammer Fantasy without mm. having to build and paint and, and play on on the tabletop. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. That's, you've yeah. got a, a great uh, a great history with the game. <laughs> oh, and uh, I, I forgot uh, to mention, I would say my really my first contact with the Warhammer world was my 13th birthday because I got Hero Quest. And um, of course, I didn't know anything that it was related to the Warhammer world. It was just a game here from, uh, what was it, Merton Bradley Games. and. It's a great game, and I just loved it. And then later on, I found out, oh, I mean, look at all the monsters and the stuff. Mm -hmm. It's kind of related to Games Workshop. And at the back of the rule book, you see all the Citadel miniatures in cooperation with Games Workshop. And then, ah, okay, that makes sense. And I started with the Warhammer Fantasy tabletop because of Hero Quest, because I always wanted to build a 3D board with all the dungeon walls and floors and doors and everything and then you can't of course use the poor plastic miniatures <laughs> and then I started to collect here and there some of the miniatures I would need for the game so some mummies, some undead, some zombies, some goblins, some orcs and so on and so on and I mean that's the beginning of the end because now you have some miniatures for an undead army and for a green skin army and Oh, there's yeah, no, there's <laughs> nothing more dangerous than that. It's it's one of those things where you, you know sometimes you buy on the secondary markets or you'll buy a lot of of miniatures from someone. I've done this on eBay a hundred thousand times, and all of a sudden, yeah, you have this spare unit of something and you don't collect it, and you're just like, well, I've already got this unit. You know, I've already got these models. I, I don't have anything else, but. You know, this justifies me spending several hundred dollars to mm. buy a full <laughs> army minus this one unit that I have. I have done that so many times in my life. It's it's the worst. I mean, yeah. it's kind of the best, but it's it's also the worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was how I ended up in the Warhammer Fantasy Battle stuff. 
But uh, yeah, so what's cool. new with your hobby stuff? All right. Well, I've got some hobby and some news for us today. Continues on my second edition orcs and in preparation for whenever Patrick and I get to stream some second edition 40k. I, I kind of was a little bit bored with painting since I've been painting what amounts to the same two models for about three weeks now because I'm uh, trying to get through about 60 orcs and Gretchen. Mm. But what I did instead was I had an old metal orc dreadnought that I found very cheaply in a lot also on eBay. I needed to strip the dreadnought. So that is what I kind of worked on this week. And I say work on in that I plopped him into a, <laughs> a jar of super clean, left him for a few days, and then scrubbed him scrubbed him down. Mm. The Orc Dreadnought uh, is it's, it's a really fun kit from that era. Everything kind of just is held together by the, the main part of the chassis. Like you, you just kind of slot them all in and then close the chassis and it, it's basically mm -hmm. good to go. It's a, it's a really fun kit. It's got that same kind of weight that the old metal dreadnoughts and monsters had that, you know, you're, you're just like, oh man, like this, this could do some damage if you hurled it at someone. It's, it's a great <laughs> that, old model. Is that the, the trash can? The walking trash can? That is. It is, it is exactly <laughs> the walking trash can. <laughs> okay, okay. And had uh, had a lot of fun kind of preparing that i i've i've got it assembled now so i can undercoat it and start to paint it it was kind of my it was the treat for myself for painting up the rest of this orc force from the starter mm. set is is doing this dreadnought i may paint it slightly out of the order out of order i still have a few orcs that aren't quite done but i'm close enough now that i'm just like oh, i just want to paint the dreadnought i don't want <laughs> I'll, I'll finish up those orcs later <laughs> The other thing I've been doing is as kind of a change of pace on my hobby table. And I, I like to do this sometimes where I'll work on a couple of different things sort of at the same time. Like if I'm washing, you know, a, a model from one unit, I can be painting something on a model from another unit. Kind of keeps everything fresh. So I've been painting up some salamander space marines. And I'm not... I, I've been so off on Space Marines for months now. I've just been, I don't want to see them. I don't want to look at them. I, I don't want to hear about them. <laughs> and that's kind of hard to do in this hobby, especially if you do play 40K. What's kind of gotten me back and, and a little bit re-energized is that my buddy Patrick really wants to do some third edition stuff. I've been covering some third edition stuff on the podcast mm -hmm. with the Armageddon episode and talking about those summer campaigns that I knew and loved. So... I kind of thought to myself, well, what do I have that is third edition appropriate? And what I had was a box of old Space Marines. And so I've been getting that. I'm stripping some. I'm getting those ready. And I'm going to do this kind of classic third edition style. So using the old force organization chart, one HQ, two troops to start off with and just doing old tactical squads and things. And man, I got to. I got to give it to Games Workshop, and I, I don't always give them a lot of credit, but Space Marines are a joy to paint. They're just mm -hmm. so easy. Like, they're so zen. Like, you, you don't even have to think about it if you've painted <laughs> enough of them. You're just like, it, it's almost a paint-by-numbers kit, Space Marines. They're so simple, but they're really satisfying, and yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with the old mini Marines. Uh, I like them better than the, the new stuff, and mm -hmm. yeah, so that's that's been really fun. The other thing that I'll mention, this is kind of more news than uh, 
it is hobby stuff, but our uh, lockdown continues in Nova Scotia. Things are finally trending in the right direction, though, so I'm hoping that we can get back to doing streams and that kind of thing uh, in june hopefully mm. i finally have a date for my vaccination i'm very excited about that and so things are kind of looking up here but in the meantime i've developed a new hobby because any free time i have i have to fill it because nature and nathan's brain abhors a vacuum <laughs> so i've been going back and watching classic monster movies it's something that i've always wanted to do and i love i have a love for movie monsters for for monsters in general it's a big reason why i love warhammer fantasy so much and i've been going back and looking i started with nosferatu the the classic uh 1922 film mm. and i've been i've watched about half a dozen more than that as well started off mostly in the 20s and 30s and uh did throw in one I think Attack of the Giant Crabs or something from the 1950s, <laughs> which is, I've got to say, as much as I, I can kind of pretend to be to be up and, and like knowledgeable on classic, you know, cinema movies with these monster movies, I think I love the uh, silly like 1950s movies mm. and 60s monster movies so much more than I like the classics, <laughs> uh, which, you know, is is fun to kind of find out as well. Last nice. night I watched the Werewolf of London from 1935. That's a bad one, but it's <laughs> unintentionally quite funny in places. This is a werewolf who, the, the man who transforms into a werewolf, when he transforms, still has presence of mind to grab his hat and his coat before he goes mm. out to terrorize London. It's It's got some real <laughs> silly and fun moments in it. It's uh, It's not a good movie by any stretch of the imagination, but there has been some good ones. Nosferatu was incredible. Hmm. The original Frankenstein from 31, really, really mm -hmm. fun. So it's it's nice to have a little bit of non-Warhammer-related uh, hobbies to, to mm -hmm. things to think about, because otherwise I, I'm just 90% of my brain space is devoted to silly miniatures games. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, last thing I'll mention is that Scott and GJ tried to stream a battle the other day. And unfortunately, things went a little bit wrong. So if you were listening or if you were in on that stream and suddenly it stopped after 10 minutes, uh, there, it was just technical difficulties. They also lost the audio from that stream. But mm. we do have the actual battle itself. So I think Scott and GJ are planning right now to go and kind of redub the battle or at least add commentary. So that one should be up on the War Games Orchard YouTube channel. Hopefully by the time you hear this, maybe a little bit after though. So do stay tuned for that. That was an Orchard Edition game. So 6th edition rules, 8th edition books. And it was Warriors of Chaos versus, I believe, the Vampire Counts for that one. Mm. So that nice. is my hobby and my news for this week. What have you been working on, Marcel? What's on your table? Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> But uh, regarding your uh, monster movies, sadly, I'm more into zombie movies. But ah. I mean, the, so starting with the classic here, Night of the Living Dead from the 60s, the black and white one. But if you are really into like here, the Dracula stuff, I can recommend, I think it's on Netflix, a miniseries about Dracula. And it has some really nice twists. 
Oh, awesome. So, yes, please. I, I'd that, love something like that. That was a good one. Yeah, hobby-wise, I'm writing stuff for the fanzine, or um, to be honest, my wife has to correct it or to proofread. And yeah, there's a lot of stuff coming, and I'm really, really surprised how the pages are filled with awesome stuff. All the guys are very productive, and it's, it's it looks really, really great. So... Yeah, I hope that will be awesome. Then I'm painting monopose goblins. So I'm also doing this Zen painting like you did. And it's because I've got a kind of challenge with Joshua. For the Crown of Command challenge, I painted the uh, High Elves, 4th edition. And in that, I also kind of painted the all the miniatures you need for the fourth edition base game scenario, Battle of Morgthrond Pass. And Joshua has the goblins painted, but I have the high elves. And so we now switched. He's painting the high elves and I painting my goblins. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and fantastic. In, in the end, uh, we've got both sets painted on two sides of the globe. Sadly, he is uh, such a good painter and he paints really fast. So in no way he got these elf spearmen painted in, in, in no time. And I'm struggling here with a lot of silly small goblins that even they, they don't have gemstones. So they are very easy, but um, I'm really, I really have a lot of them. <laughs> they are, <laughs> they are just occupying here my, my painting table with all their spears sticking up everywhere between the paint pots and everything. Yeah, so I got these. And then I have to confess, I really, really dived into 40k second edition. Oh, it's a good I, place. It's a good place uh, to be. It's a money grave. I, <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> I always avoided that. And the only stuff I have for 40k is the Space Hulk uh, first edition and third edition set. And I was very lucky to buy the first edition with both expansions and a lot of metal miniatures very cheap years ago. And so I got some uh, Gene Stealer hybrids and the metal patriarch on throne and all that nice stuff. And then I was thinking, oh, 40k, it sounds so cool. The guys are talking on it here on the podcast and Discord and everything. And said, man, it's also this cool 90s stuff with painted red, everything and goblin green bases. Ah, come on, Marcel, just look at eBay. And <laughs> yeah, now I've got the base set or the, the starter box. I've got the Dark Millennium expansion. I have a lot of hybrids in the mail now so i've got a complete gene stealer cult army so i'm kind of doing the same as you with painting also some imperial guards as uh, brute brothers or traitors or whatsoever i've got now a complete sisters of battle army that will fight them i'm planning to write a little series of articles for the fans into so i will write a background paint some units and fight against each other and write some background of that and then it will kind of expand in the scope as i paint more and more stuff for the fencing so that's my plan but we will see how it works out in the end and then i asked a friend i have done business 
in the past here on Facebook Trading Group and I asked him, hey, do you have some 40k stuff maybe here from the 90s? And he said, yeah. And he showed me some pictures and I said, oh, cool, I want this Imperial Guard guy and and this Elder. And then he said, oh, you want Elder? Hmm. A friend of mine has Elder. And then he sent me pictures and pictures and pictures. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh my God. And it was a complete Elder Army, second edition. And yeah, I just bought it. I didn't bought all of it because it was way too much. He got, right. I think, the whole army three times and so on. It was not a bargain, but I would say worth the money because it was all in one lot. So I got a complete army now. The only thing I'm missing are banshees because the guy didn't like banshees. And so I'm missing five banshees. But that I think can eBay can help with that. And then I really went overboard. I checked eBay and I found an armor cast elder tank. Are you familiar with them? I am. Yes. Yes. It, which Which one was it? I was only familiar with the very square one um falcon oh yes yeah yeah that looked exactly like the one from epic space movie yes <laughs> and i was look thinking oh what a nice model but i checked ebay and it was uh, available but for a lot of money and then i found a guy here in germany was selling the uh, tempest armor cast graph tank oh wow yeah and i bought it <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's Rogue Trader, and uh, there are no rules available, I think, for second edition, but I don't care because it looks so cool. It's unpainted and unassembled, so just right out of the box from 1989. That's so cool. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> wow, you you went all in all on in, this. All in, yeah. Yeah, there's no in-between or so. It's just all in. It's It's terrible. That's my hobby stuff. Wow, okay, yeah. You you blew me out of the water on that one. Jeez. Whole uh, game system that you, yeah. you've jumped right into. <laughs> yeah. Well, why don't we move on to our main topic here? We're going to talk about Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. This is an incredible game, and it's one that I I have wanted to talk about for a little while on the show, but... It's not an area of expertise as far as as I'm concerned. It's it's not one that I've I've played, you know, hundreds of games of and and spent tons of time pouring over the source material like I have for Warhammer Fantasy. I I'm really glad that you could join me today, Marcel, because I think you've got more experience than I do and I think between the two of us we can kind of give a uh, a, a good little we're not we're not going to do a retrospective or talk really rules or anything like that, but more of how the game feels, what we like about it, and the kind of unique mechanics. And it's it's an interesting spot as a as a very unique property, mm-hmm. as far as Games Workshop is concerned. This is a game system that that started all the way back in '86, and outlived the tabletop game for Warhammer. And is is still getting new material to this very day, and I think mm-hmm. that's really it. Really speaks to the enduring popularity of it. I was going to start with how we got into role playing, but we we kind of touched on on how how you started with with mm-hmm. Warhammer RPG. 
was there anything that you wanted to to add or, or did you want to talk a little bit about your experience in other systems or anything like that or, or do you think you're good for mm, maybe just adding something because i i would say i i played a lot of other role-playing systems i will mention some of my my fav- favorite systems so True Love will be always Warhammer role-playing game for the fantasy stuff and for um, the, <laughs> yeah, uh, realistic <laughs> stuff. I would go with uh, Cthulhu in the in the 1920s. That's my other real, real great system because I love history and I really lo- love the way you can experience history in playing in the 1920s. So like, oh, we want to go to Transylvania. Yeah, sure. And uh, the train stops in this town and the rest is by, no, not by car. You have to travel by coach if you are lucky. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, oh, okay, cool. And my other really, really um, uh, system I love is cyberpunk year 2020 so (laughs) we are kind of over that because we're in 21 and yeah you've got all the talk with the video game that they kind of made i don't know i'm not following that i because my my computer is way too old for that and everything (laughs) so um but there's also still coming new cyberpunk role-playing material so yeah let's see i i really enjoyed this um this game system because i really like here all the cyberpunk genre like with blade runner and all the old japanese animes like akira and ghost in the shell that always have some in common with this um science fiction genre i would say oh that's awesome i can't really speak to cyberpunk it's actually not a property that i've had any interaction with other than hearing all the hype about the the new video game Mm. and then uh people were angry about the new video game for reasons i i don't know i don't super follow video game news too much but it does look like a a neat take on on the future anyway Mm. for me i got in to role-playing probably about the same age that you did that kind of early teenage years and for me, it was Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. So this, is, and of course, Dungeons and Dragons easily the most popular in North America. So kind of uh, similar to, I, I think it was the Eye of Darkness that the um, popular game in in Germany translates to the the Dark Eye. The Dark but, Eye. Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's such a cool name. That's I, I like that. I might yeah, the, like that the, more. The the problem is in in Germany it's called Das Schwarze Auge, and if you translate it word by word, it means the Black Eye. That got a totally different meaning in English. So oh yeah, <laughs> they had to change that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really funny. Yeah, so I started with. Dungeons and Dragons. It was around when third edition of Dungeons and Dragons came out, and that was mm. a very big change for the system. It was much more, I think, beginner friendly and young person friendly than the old advanced Dungeons and Dragons was. Mm. I was really into that because I've always been into anything fantasy oriented. For me, though, I discovered Warhammer before I discovered role playing. And I, I don't know that that necessarily colored me in any way towards how I approach Dungeons and Dragons because, like, Warhammer Fantasy is such a unique property that Dungeons and Dragons always felt a little bit more generic to me. And, you know, it was, it was fun. 
we as I went through high school, I, I kind of developed a friend group around role playing games. the The big thing for me was uh, when I was in high school, I was a member of the improv team, mm. which was probably honestly the nerdiest thing that you could do back in those days now i'm sure it would only be like the fifth most nerdy group that you could find in a high school but things were were still a little bit less friendly towards you know nerd culture back in those (laughs) days so it was pretty great it was one of the rare extracurricular groups that i did and we were all huge nerds and and so there was a lot of kind of gaming that came out of that as well and a lot of role-playing games as i got older we started branching out into different systems. We tried Rifts. We tried mm. a lot of the White Wolf games like Vampire the Masquerade and Werewolf Ooh. and uh, Hunter. Mm. Lots of stuff with that. And then we started doing almost entirely homebrewed games where someone would make up uh, an entire setting and we would use... We'd usually use one of the systems as a base for it. Uh, White Wolf was the most common one just because it's very simple, Mm. dot-based, very easy to make characters and very easy to roll out things. There's not as many fiddly rules as with Dungeons & Dragons. So, yeah, it's really been a a kind of a natural evolution. In that period, I also did a few things with Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. This would have been during second edition of Warhammer Fantasy Mm -hmm. Roleplay, and this was a game... I can't say that it was my favorite when I was younger. I think my favorite was the White Wolf games because I've never been much for diving into the nitty gritty of the systems and and learning how they operate and and really, you know, making a character that could thrive in a system or or power gaming it or anything Mm -hmm. like that. For me, it was always just, oh, I've got this character idea. How quickly can I get this character idea on, you know, into the game? And... Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, I, I remember buying the core rulebook because I was just like, okay, this is my favorite setting of all time, and I need to run a game. I need to, I need to get my friends together, run a game. I had introduced most of my friends to Warhammer by this point, and uh, I, I don't I think some of them have ever, ever forgiven me for it <laughs> because of the, the money that they would subsequently drop on it, but... They were at least familiar, right? If if they weren't playing with me, they were at least familiar with the setting. And it was so cool to see a setting where you weren't a warrior or a cleric or a, a rogue, a wizard. You know, you were you you felt like when you started, like you were a person in this world. You were a rat catcher. You were a scribe. You were a hedge wizard at best. You know, there is. I think, and and we'll get into more of this in a little bit, but that so stuck with me. Just the fact that you you didn't so much become a hero in this world as you were mm-hmm. just kind of plonked down as this normal person, except that you knew since you know you're in a role playing game, you're going to be up against some some things that regular people probably shouldn't have to deal with, and and uh, so it it always stayed with me no matter what we were doing, just how unique. Warhammer Fantasy roleplay was. But yeah, that's that's kind of my origin story for roleplaying. Mm-hmm. I, I still like to roleplay to this day, obviously, because we do our roleplay. <laughs> uh, before lockdowns and, and COVID and everything, I had just finished running a game for my friend group, and it was also based on the White Wolf system, so the DOT system, which we, we've kind of settled on as our, our preferred system. 
and it was all about a dark road trip through a dystopian version I wouldn't even say a dystopian version of America, but it was a, uh, a modern-day America road trip, but with monsters. I'll put it in that. <laughs> so it was, it was an odd little thing, but it's something that I wanted to do for a long time. And I was able to, to mix in a lot of, like, very kind of Amerik- Americana, like, classic music and stuff in it to try and up the, the immersion and uh, do a lot of fun little things with mm. it as well. I, I really enjoy games and characters that are... A little bit more down to earth, which is probably a reason why I'm having so much fun with Warhammer Fantasy roleplay at this point. But yeah, I, I guess that's that's kind of where I'm at for it. So now I, I'm assuming you at some point have played in games as a player as well as mm-hmm. a game master. Mm-hmm. It's it's rare to find someone who is only one of the two. And I've played in plenty of games uh, as well as game mastered quite a few. What is your preferred way to play in that regard? Do you prefer to run a game or do you prefer to be a uh, just a, a player? Oh, that's a good question. I would say if I really like the setting, I would prefer game mastering it because I can really dive in in all the material and I'm sure I'm not missing out something. So maybe as an example here, Cthulhu. So the characters can investigate stuff and they find sources and books and everything. But I know all the background, all the story, because there's a, a story behind it. And I know everything as a game master. And that's really, really cool. But I would say for like, if I'm going to a convention or so, I really like to enjoy being a, a player or an, uh, as an uh, PC, because I can join a setting I am not familiar with and can just jump right in. Here's your character sheet. Here are your dice. This is a story, blah, blah, blah. And now we play. That's also fun. Because I would say finding a good group, uh, like a good team and a good game master, that's really hard. And I would say more important. For me, the group... And the background is more important, way more important than the rules. So, mm-hmm. because the game master is a law. And if he says, Oh, you can't go in because of that, then that's it. No discussion because what's the point? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, also about power gaming. And so it, uh, as a game master, if I see or feel that the player wants to do that really bad because it, it's fitting to his role and everything and makes sense and for the atmosphere. And then this is only just because of a bad die roll that he fails. Then we can work around it so he can describe and then we can find a way so that we are all satisfied and, and feel in the end, oh, that was cool. Because that's way more important than just, oh, you failed. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I really like what you're saying here, and I I couldn't agree more. I subscribe as well to the fact that you're all getting together to tell a story together. And it should be be fun for everyone. And I think, yeah, you, you mentioned finding a good group. And that is just worth its weight in gold. Because you, you never know before a game starts as well, unless you've played with these people before, obviously, whether or not the the personalities are going to gel, whether or not the play styles are going to gel. You really have to be all on the same page between mm. the game master and the 
players. And I think that's a really good point. Yeah. And of course, as a game master, I mean, I think some gamers that never have uh, game mastered adventures are underestimating all the effort and work you put into um, preparing yeah. <laughs> an adventure. And I, I remember here for an, a Warhammer campaign, there are, you got 12 NPCs that are doing stuff behind the curtain and everything is in relation to everybody and it's it's like you're managing a whole soap opera yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's unbelievable yeah and um you always have to know where everybody is and what he's doing and blah 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 and man i in the end i've got the book and then there were all post-its in it and i've got 20 pages with extra notes and scripts and oh it was unbelievable and finding a good group, because if you want to start a, a, a campaign with all the work and effort you're putting into, I would sometimes feel like getting the right people together. I don't know if, I, if you have to, to, to find them and if this character can, uh, comes, uh, gets along with the other guys and everything. So, whew, yeah. And, Sadly, I also found out after two or three sessions, oh, no, that's not the way. Sorry, guys, <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, yeah. because it's better this way than just to drag it on. It's funny you, you mentioned having so much prepared when you're a game master and you've got to have all of these off-screen things that, that you know are going on. And one of the things that I always find, not frustrating, but just a little bit, disheartening maybe sometimes if i'm running a game if the players just don't pick up on something and it always happens right because <laughs> it's always it sounds different in your head and then everyone's got their own kind of filters for for what it everyone's mm. seeing the game in a little bit of a different way and so sometimes they miss things and you're just like oh but please 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 do this like i i want to show you this thing i, I i've got su i've got such a cool thing here please go and do this and you, but you don't want to you don't want to railroad or force them right you don't want to make it so that they they don't have that bit of freedom of choice as well mm. so it's always a, a a bit of a balancing act as far as i i can find for yeah uh, and being a game master and, and just like leading them to the cool parts that you, you know that you you know that they're going to enjoy and and the things that you you really want to see but also respecting that you know maybe they don't mm. see it or, or they've got other plans or it's a really interesting mix and i i don't know that i've ever found a, a fully satisfactory way to to deal <laughs> with it because there are some times where I've, I've run a game and i'm just like oh i wish you guys had done <laughs> i wish you guys had done this just a little bit differently mm. And of course, it can uh, also go totally wrong if you want to get the players in this direction and you block the other way. Then they think, oh, he, the game master doesn't want us to do that. So there must be some really important stuff behind it. So we <laughs> yeah. really want to do that. And you're <laughs> just thinking, oh, boy, sorry. How can I get around that? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. I think I would be happy if I game mastered maybe one out of three games i i like doing it but it's it, like you say it's a lot of work you you do a lot of prep work and uh you have to be more on your toes i think as a, a game master because the the whole thing is is this story that that you are telling with the help of the players and it, it's the most important 
role and and the most like you have to be the most invested in it as a as a game master mm. and uh so i i like doing it but just not every time <laughs> uh i tend to like if, if i'm gonna game master i want to game master the games that are kind of the the ones that are completely homebrewed so like the last one i did about mm. uh, uh you know the the dark americana road trip that's the kind of thing that I want to run. If I'm going to play in a game like Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay or Dungeons and Dragons or some kind of existing property, I kind of just want to explore that property as a player, I think more so. And I think that's just, it's just a, I've, is the the way that I've, I've kind of learned to roleplay in the, the situations that I've been in in the past to have kind of led me down that road. But mm. I, I do find a lot of value in doing both and i think there's a lot of good perspective to be had because once you've game mastered a, a through a few games i think you've got more empathy maybe for the game master like you, you get a better feel of like where they want to go and you're just mm. like oh like how can i help move the story forward as opposed to just thinking about you know specifically what do i want to do or what am i what would my character want to do mm. it's it's really interesting and i'm always i'm always curious to see what people want to do i think in a perfect world at least for for me and my friend group we would just take turns like i i i've uh i've game mastered this last game so you know next up is uh my buddy tony to mm. to run a game and then we just kind of you know work our way back that kind of thing it's interesting because as an adult and i i don't know if you've you found this as well as as a teen i could do Oh man, I could do long sessions. My friends and I, because you know, you're a teenager, you have no time commitments. You're just like, whatever, I have to go to school occasionally. <laughs> and so we would do like 12 hour gaming sessions, mm. like from two, three in the afternoon and go until two or three in the morning. There were sometimes I remember walking home from role play sessions at like five or six AM and the sun is coming up. And you're just like this bleary eyed mess and everyone's just like, oh man, this guy is wrecked. Like, did he go to a party or something? Is he stumbling <laughs> home? And I'm just like, I spent 14 hours rolling dice yesterday. <laughs> yeah, oh, of what, course. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Were, were you the same way when you were younger? Yeah. 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 We, we start playing. I remember a vampire, the masquerade uh, session and uh, suddenly the birds started singing outside <laughs> and it was just, oh, Oh, is it morning already? <laughs> because the the room was dark. Yeah, we uh, have the curtains drawn for the atmosphere and candles and everything. But a kind of advice, because I remembered it was the beginning of the new um, school year. And I and a friend, we were in a bookstore buying new books for school. And all around us were mothers who or parents who want to also buy books for their children for the upcoming year. And my friend and I were talking about our last cyberpunk session. <laughs> and we were very into it, like, oh man, and then I draw the knife and I cut the guy and then the other one <laughs> with the pistol and the machine gun and the bullets and blah, 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 and explosions. And suddenly we looked around and all these parents shocked at <laughs> these two teenage boys. Oh my God, what's happening there? These were different times because now we know that nerd is a, or to being a nerd is a, a new sexy. But back in the days, oh man, it was hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you didn't. It certainly wasn't cool back in the day. Like, yeah. And I guess it wasn't all that long ago. You know, I'm I'm talking about like... 15 
16 years ago uh, mm. for, for me, but it does feel like a different time, certainly. All right, let's talk a little bit about Warhammer fantasy roleplay. Let's share our overall thoughts on it. I mean, it is our main topic today. As much as I love, I could just talk about like experiences role-playing for hours and hours on end. But <laughs> let's, uh, yeah, let's dive into it a little bit. And just to, to give people a little bit of context, if you've never encountered Warhammer Fantasy roleplay before, it's, it is your, your kind of classic fantasy roleplay in the vein of Dungeons and & Dragons and that kind of thing, but with, with some really important differences. And of course, set in the Warhammer world. It first came out all the way back in 1986, and it was published by Games Workshop back then. This was a companion piece to Warhammer Fantasy, and they were really linked at the hip for a long time. You could pretty easily port over most of the, the things that you saw as stats and uh, monsters and, and regiments and that kind of thing in Warhammer Fantasy to Warhammer Fantasy roleplay because they had the same basic stat blocks. And that was oh, such a cool idea. I love that so much. Mm. And that kind of continued throughout the the old Hammer era. In fact, we got source books such as the iconic Realm of Chaos books that that got released with items for Warhammer Fantasy, Warhammer 40,000, and Warhammer Fantasy roleplay. And so it made these tomes very dense and very heavy they're 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 thick because they're full of mm. content but the content is is incredible because you have everything from renegade chaos space marines to rules for beastmen for warhammer fantasy to chaos items and mutations for warhammer fantasy roleplay <laughs> a really cool era that i unfortunately missed entirely by being a very very small child <laughs> when all this was going on <laughs> uh but nonetheless uh really really cool do you have any experience with those uh, early years kind of uh, Warhammer Fantasy roleplay stuff? Here in Germany, we've got the translation from the first edition. So in one really big hardcover book, uh, funny enough, uh, the cover was the same as the rule book from the Warhammer Quest book. <laughs> Don't oh. uh, ask me why. So we could, and that was in the beginning of the 90s. So I think 93 or so, we've got the, the first edition in German available. Sadly, it only got some adventures and some source books. And then the, the company went bankrupt or, or so. I don't know. I was able to buy some adventure books for the Doomstone campaign that came in the 80s for the first edition of Warhammer role-playing game that was from Flame Publishing. And in this books, uh, it's about a dwarf civil war. Really cool. And there you got also stats for playing Warhammer, the role-playing game, the big battles or, or sieges, also with uh, the tabletop game. So it's kind of a crossover. You could merge both systems. That's really, really neat. And yeah, of course, the the Chaos books you mentioned, I've got here the Realm of uh, Chaos book in my shelf. And I mean, it, it has tons of stuff, a lot with it. And I must say with the, with the rule book for Warhammer, with one book, you can have so much fun and uh, if you are creative and can uh, write your own adventures, then you are done. There's 
everything is in it one book a little bit of background all the magic stuff the beasts uh, everything though i must say that you got a really good value for your money in this one book in every uh, edition i would say yeah awesome that's so cool doing crossover stuff between the tabletop and the role play like what a match made in heaven really like how cool mm. is that that is so <laughs> cool you could do something as simple as having your warhammer fantasy role play characters come across a battle that is you know that's that's getting just about to get started or a battle in mm. progress and then having them on the table having their their tabletop stats and seeing if they can help swing this battle one way or the other it honestly it reminds me of some of the the great uh, Felix and Gotrek stories mm, where they yeah. they're either <laughs> you know drafted into the imperial army or they just come across uh you know battles or skirmishes mm -hmm. and stuff and and you have these two heroes coming to to help to uh, turn the tide and yeah how cool is that that is mm -hmm. that is the best there was um for i think it was Warhammer Fantasy Battle second edition there was a campaign set available called Terror of the Leech Master with here uh, Heinrich Kemmler and in 1990, there was also um, a role-playing adventure called Return of the Leech Master. And it's kind of the same story, but one is a tabletop campaign and the other one is a role-playing campaign. And in the role-playing book, you also have all the stats for the regiments listed so you can play out all the big battles or the skirmishings at the beginning with tabletop miniatures. So that's really, really cool. You've got uh, like defending a farm for uh, against some skeletons. So oh, only, yeah. I think it's the only the 10 farm. or so. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. I, it's funny because I, I love Terror of the Lich Master. I think it's so cool. I, I was not aware of the role play version mm -hmm. of it. The uh, Return of the Lich Master. That is so cool. What a and, what a fun little scenario or campaign to run. Oh, of course. And then there was also all this paper terrain available here, townscape and everything. So in the end, you have a complete village <laughs> on the table and could play uh, the attack of the undead and then your role-playing characters running around, defending and helping. Awesome. That I mean, that's just the really, really old-hammer cool stuff there. Absolutely. Well, we got a second edition of the game all the way in 2004. And that's crazy that the first edition lasted as long as it did because it, it didn't go out of print until 2002 when the, the company called Hogshead uh, that had been given the license to print it, they, they shut down. But then in 2004, the second edition comes out. This is the edition that I started with. And it was by Black Industries, which oh, right. at the time I had no idea was a division of Games Workshop's Black Library. So this is kind of still in-house, which is kind of neat. And the one thing that I, I'm going to mention, I might as well mention it here. I found that each edition of the game has done a really good job at keeping the overall feel of Warhammer Fantasy roleplay, even whilst they, they tweak some rules and, and change some things. Mm-hmm. It's always that low fantasy, gritty, everything is a little bit desperate, everything's uh, more than a little dirty, and <laughs> I, I just love that they've been able to keep that consistent through three, uh, four editions mm. that have all been 
kind of published by different places, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it is it is kind of incredible. And yeah, this is the one that I played through at the time and it, it took me a long time to kind of figure out what I was seeing because I was used to Dungeons and Dragons. So this whole career system was totally alien when I mm. when I first kind of cracked this book open. And the way percentages worked and the way that you rolled to use any of your skills or to fight is, is very, very different. Mm. The other thing that was really interesting, and I, I'm angry at young Nathan because young Nathan did not take advantage of this, but it's it's one of my favorite things of all time. Random character creation is so much fun. <laughs> it's it's stupid fun. It is easily like the the most fun that I have ever had making a character in any game. Because I'm the type of guy when I I role play when I hear about a setting, if my friends want to do a particular game, the first thing I do after I have, you know, learned enough to get an idea of, of what the setting is going to be is spend about 3 days to a week thinking of various character concepts in my mind and trying to figure out what I'm going to have the most fun with and what I can make into the most interesting backstory and most, you know, I will go to town on something like this and I will write up huge volumes of of stuff. So going and just being like, okay, well, I'm just going to let the dice decide everything about my character. (laughs) It's so freeing that I, I'm kind of in love with it now. And it, it, it opens up to such incredible, interesting possibilities that you would never think of in a million years. <laughs> yeah, true, yeah. true. The Warmer fantasy setting, I mean, in the in the tabletop world, I would say it's not that gritty. But, I mean, if you're into the role-playing game, because you're in the role-playing game, you don't come across the big battles and the generals also. It's it's all about the the rotten in the Empire, because most of the time you are playing at the Empire. And I've got here the uh, fourth edition rulebook in front of me, and they kept the the slogan from the old edition, because it states here, a grim world of perilous adventure. And I mean, that's Warhammer role-playing. Death is everywhere. Everything is corrupted. And you are just a lousy peasant. And here's your sword. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Have fun. Have fun, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's great. And I mean, you know that you don't start as a knight. You start as a squire. But okay, so <laughs> you, you you know what your goal is in the end if you if you survive that much and can afford a horse. But... I really like the mechanic of these fate points where you can, on an easy and elegant way, cheat death because you can, you don't have many. I mean, you can start, I think, as a human with one to three or so. I don't know. A little bit more than dwarves and elves because they got better stats. And then you can cheat death like you've got all your wounds uh, reduced to zero and that would be normally you are dead, but then you can uh, spend a fate point and then, oh, it's just a flesh wound and you are bloody all over the face and unconscious, lying there under all the dead bodies in the corner and your group uh, thinks you are dead, but then after the fight, oh man, my head hurts and oh, he's still alive. Oh, <laughs> bless Sigma. And I mean, how cool is that? So, yeah, okay. 
you can die every minute, but um, you can also try to survive. And I mean, you can use role playing to stay alive. And that's a cool thing because we are not teenagers anymore that just charge the room, swords drawn. And oh, then you are dead because there's a bunch of ogres and <laughs> you don't have used all your skills to work around it. Bad luck. I mean, it's also fun. So that's for me one of the best things about the Warhammer world, the background and how as a, as a character, you can explore that, mm -hmm. not the stuff you know from the fantasy battles. It's on a way different level, but also taking part in the same universe. Yeah, it's so dialed in and it is very empire focused, but because it's, it is that it's so relatable. Like there's mm. there's a million situations that you can find yourself in that are very grounded in human interaction, uh, <laughs> and and they, it can still be terrifying. It can still be you know like you say like death lurks behind every corner in in Warhammer Fantasy roleplay, and that is I think probably one of the game's greatest strengths because when I I, I started with D and D and. I played a lot of it, but with Dungeons and Dragons, you, you have this defined role and you start out being competent in that role, at, you know, at the very least regarding things that you are fighting at level one, things like kobolds and goblins and mm. things, you know, you, you always feel like whenever you enter a fight that you stand probably a, a pretty decent chance of coming out the other side, maybe a couple of hit points down, right? It's not... Mm. There's lacking, I think, the sense of danger, the intensity that Warhammer Fantasy roleplay mm. can can give you. Because every encounter in Warhammer Fantasy roleplay feels life or death. And the way that the system works, it, it can be if your opponent gets lucky or you get really unlucky. Mm. It, it is... It, you do have those mitigating factors that you were mentioned like fate points and things that you can use mm -hmm. to cheat death but you you kind of need them right i guess i think otherwise <laughs> these campaigns wouldn't get very far yeah. because it, it really one blow lands the wrong way and you're you're out of the fight right so mm -hmm. i for me it's and and i i i'm a guy who loves immersion in in role playing that is that is why i'm here i want to get lost in the story i want to get mm -hmm. lost in the characters and there's nothing quite like Warhammer Fantasy roleplay for for this kind of roleplaying game. Usually, the the games that we play nowadays, or that I play with my friends gr friend group, they are very light on combat. Uh, it's it's just something that we we tend to stay away from. It's it's more just you know it's talking. It's it's dangerous situations, but there's there's very little actual like physical struggle generally, mm. except for very pivotal moments and and the the kind of things that you would think as as climaxes to various stories but warhammer fantasy roleplay can and it can be like that depending on on what you're doing but for the most part you're still in a setting that is fantasy combat if not oriented it, it is considered i think a, a quite a heavy part of the game is is the combat and so you and i could just speak to our experience in our current game and we will touch on the current game in a little bit but i think we've been in game for about 
four or five days now. Mm-hmm. And every day I feel like has been this different life and death struggle. Like every day there is something that happens that I'm just like, Oh God, I'm so glad we got out of that one. Uh, and it's, it's just like, it's this impending sense that like, Oh man, one of these days, my luck is going to run out yeah. because of that. It makes it so much more interesting because mm-hmm. I could, I can get really bored playing a game like Dungeons and Dragons because I find the combat very boring on the mm-hmm. whole. I don't find that for, for Warhammer Fantasy roleplay. I mean, you've got a role-playing combat system with the best critical hit table ever. <laughs> yeah, if you... I mean, you don't have to use them, but, oh man, it's so fun. If you roll on the critical hit table for head, and then I, I think the highest uh, number, then the head flies ahead two with two d6 meters in a random <laughs> direction how cool is that yeah I'd say that, oh man but um yeah it's it's combat heavy but i would say every time you draw your weapon you have to realize okay that could be my last time <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, well, it, it, it makes you it makes you really consider about whether or not you want to get involved in something going on like mm-hmm. if 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 you aren't the target or if you weren't if you just come across something you know in any other game i would be like oh, okay like the the dm or the game master has put this in front of us because this is clearly something that we should get involved into mm-hmm. there's a whole extra layer of of thinking with this game in that okay is this something we should get involved into because are we going to die because <laughs> I mean, not only is this system, like the, you say, like the, the critical hit system is can be very unforgiving, but you start off as peasants. You start off as rat catchers and scribes and entertainers. And like, there's so few things where you are a actual dangerous combatant right off the bat, right? Like, <laughs> it's it's the kind of thing where you're just like, okay, is... If I get involved in this, is is this it? Like, is this is this done? Like, can mm-hmm. is there some way I can get out of this without fighting? And I love that. I, I think it's yeah. it's it's that extra layer of player autonomy that you you just you wouldn't even look for in a game like Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. because you don't need it. If you die, oh hey, you know we've got a cleric; he can resurrect once a day. <laughs> it's fine, right? <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. But I think we we kind of lost uh, our uh, history of the editions. Oh yeah, we part. did. We did. Yeah, let's. Um, uh, <laughs> we, we we hit on second there, and I, I got yeah, I got really sidetracked on second because that that was the one that kind of uh, mm-hmm. that that was my introduction to the game. Third edition came from Fantasy Flight Games. Rest in peace, Fantasy Flight. Mm. And this is one that I actually I didn't interact with at all. Did you? Okay, uh, I I have it because I'm a collector. Sorry, mm. but I must say it's, it's a very high production value. But it kind of moves away from the I would say standard role playing game with you just need a rule book and your character sheet because you have cards for everything. You have cards for wounds. So you have cards for critical hits, you have equipment cards, and it's more like feeling like a board game. Yeah, you've got a, a tracker uh, for combat rounds, and when you can activate your talents, and then they cool down, kind of. So it's 
it's not for everybody and i would say it's especially hard for people that are in love and used to play the old edition that okay. was a really really hard change and kind i would say kind of the downfall for the system you can play it uh, in the traditional way but then why then you just can use the second edition <laughs> right. and don't have to spend all the money uh, on the special stuff because they also use these special dice like in the Star Wars uh, system they introduced. So you don't have dice with numbers, but with symbols. And then you can work out how these affects this and the outcome of it. So I would say it's neat, but not for everybody. And I just have it because then I have also the third edition but that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's really interesting. I, I had no idea about that that whole card thing. That makes sense, though, because Fantasy Flight games, and I, I love some Fantasy Flight games. I, th I thought they, they did really good jobs on a lot mm -hmm. of their stuff. They were always very heavy with tokens and game aids and, and those kind of things. So it doesn't surprise me to hear that they filled up <laughs> the, uh, the Warhammer Fantasy roleplay with, mm -hmm. with that kind of thing as well. And it was also not a, in English, it was not a book. It was a box. It was a really, really huge box with counters and dice and everything. And in Germany, it was, uh, the German edition, uh, was released as the standard, like game master and player books in hardcover. Uh -huh. And then you could bought the dice and the card sets separately. So it was a different approach, but the same result. Interesting. That's really cool. All right, well, that brings us to 4th edition. And so this was released in August of 2018. So it's still a very current. And this is the edition that we are playing in our current game. I've got to say, I'm I'm a big fan of it. I, I think it's it's very cool. I think it's very slick. Yeah, I've got the, the rule book now. And uh, oh, it's, cool. it's very nice to, to kind of look through and, and just... Uh, read the different backgrounds and and uh, read through the the various uh, little lore pieces and things. Those are always mm -hmm. that's always the first thing I do whenever I'm whenever I, I get a book <laughs> is I always read through all of the things that aren't the rules first <laughs> because mm -hmm. that, that's that's what I'm most interested in. This is a very very cool supplement. I I'm a big fan of fourth edition. Just playing it, I feel like we've had what five five or six sessions now. Oh, I think it's more. I, it I, okay, more. the first session was just like here, um, making characters and, and talking seven parts or episodes. Okay, seven. Nice. Yeah. 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 yeah as, as the uh, GM, how have you been finding fourth edition to work with? There are two topics. Um, one is the background because um, Cubicle 7 now with the fourth edition did a really good thing to bring back Warhammer into the, I would say, classic setting. Because in second edition, they tried to fit in the background uh, to the tabletop setting. And that was because the tabletop setting was involving way more faster with all the army books and editions. Uh, and as a role-playing game so uh, with second edition they tried to catch up to the storm of chaos stuff mm -hmm. and yeah then it kind of gets lost so people that were used to the tabletop game looking into the role-playing game was like 
uh, and where's Archeon and everyone and what's happening <laughs> here that who who is Karl Franz or whatsoever so it was um, really hard for them and and now uh, Cubicle 7 just said okay we are just in the old setting and who cares about the tabletop game and I think that's the best approach to do it and rule wise I would say they staying so true to the original so it feels more like a revised edition and not like a complete new setup. They dropped a lot of stuff that was included in second edition, like the all the different fighting system or the combat system mm -hmm. in, in second edition was way too detailed for my taste and uh, simplified that in the current edition, but also included a lot of stuff as optional rules. So you could add a lot of Chrome if you want, but you don't have to, as always, as with every rule mm -hmm. or gaming system. I mean, it's just a framework or a toolbox. Just use the stuff you want and throw out the stuff out of the window that you don't need or find stupid or yeah. whatsoever. That's that. Honestly, that's some of the best role playing advice is don't don't sweat the system too much if you <laughs> if you don't like if you're not into the the super detailed stuff because some mm -hmm. systems just go right off the deep end with that. I remember playing riffs uh, in high school, and that was a, a book series that I'm pretty sure was written under the influence of almost every drug you could put in a human body. <laughs> and it's just, it's wild. It's, it's incredible. Like, it's, it's super unique and super fun, but they have, doing anything requires about six different roles, and you just kind of have to ignore <laughs> some of the more uh, insane parts of it. And yeah, mm. I think that's a, a great piece of advice for for anyone is yeah, uh, yeah just kind of take take what makes sense right mm -hmm. and i would say the the layout and and everything in the rule book is just really really good and, and uh, i'm not talking about the artwork the artwork is really really perfect so i think they uh, did the true role-playing classic did a great work with that yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah i'm glad you mentioned the artwork the artwork in the the fourth edition book, and most of the, I mean, most of the artwork is is pretty great throughout the the series. What I like about the fourth edition book is when you're scrolling or looking the uh, various careers and just seeing the people of the empire. <laughs> They're so dirty. Everyone is dirty, and it's it's just no one like even the ones that look like they are you know a a, a little bit wealthier and uh, a little bit better off. The, you know, you still see all of the stains. You see, like the the odd missing tooth. Like it's, it doesn't try to make anything attractive or noble esque, mm. or it, it's not how you would, you would see careers or classes in mm. another setting, right? You, I, you... I must every time I, I I'm looking through the rule book, I must think about the scene from uh, the Monty Python movie here. Knights of the Holy Grail with the peasants <laughs> in the muddy field. Oh, yeah. That's exactly that. Yeah. So. Oh God, that's the perfect way to describe it. Yeah, a hundred percent. They're all particularly, uh, particularly grody. I think my favorite illustration might be the rat catcher because uh, <laughs> oh. he just he looks wild and his his dog and his cart. It's it's a it's a huge it's a wonderful little picture. The whole book mm -hmm. is is full of these things though, and and everything is is a little bit more gruesome than you you might expect uh, when you're first strolling through it. 
what I really like about the artwork because they, besides the rulebook, they released a starter set with everything you need to play with dice and an adventure and background setting and character pre-made characters. So really, really great. And uh, these pre-made characters also appear in the rulebook. And uh, also during, you can find them uh, on different uh, uh, pictures. Uh, so the troll slayer and the uh, female witch hunter and everything. And I really like that, that you can kind of follow their adventure through the book. Mm-hmm. I do like that little bit of continuity there. Uh, yeah, because it feels it does feel like the book is telling you a bit of a story as you as you mm-hmm. uh, go through it. Yeah, that's a good point. Now, do you have a favorite mechanic or system or anything from Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay? It's uh, it's such a a unique take on a fantasy RPG in in terms of system and mechanics. Mm. For me, it's probably the career system. I'm just so in love with it. I, I just think it's so cool. I, I love I love rolling for it, of course, and, and the fact that you can make a totally randomized character. But the career paths I find just so interesting and the fact that a career path opens you up to advance in certain areas but not mm-hmm. others. And that makes so much sense. And the way that you you know, you move through a particular career or even change careers if you're given the opportunity. The career system for me is is always the first thing I think of when I mm. think of fantasy roleplay. Uh, how about you? Yeah, uh, and besides the career system, you are so lucky if you have, or, or you're so happy if you have some gold crowns because everything is so expensive in <laughs> Warhammer. Yeah, I, I think buying a horse is the once in a lifetime event because <laughs> yes. they are so expensive it's way easier to rob a horse or steal a horse um but um yeah for me i would say besides the career system because it's very unique for the warhammer uh, role-playing system i would say the combat because it's so easy and thought through with uh, you got your weapon skill and then a modifier or so and then you roll and then you add your strength and your uh, damage and reduce the armor and the toughness and then you got to the hit points. That's very straightforward. Of course, in the beginning you have to play it kind of through to know what can happen, but in the end it's just fun. And beside that, I would say the corrupting influence worked into the system. And that's something that Warhammer has in common with the Cthulhu role-playing game. Because besides that you can get killed, you also can go insane or just go the chaos way. (laughs) And that's I really, really like because it's so into the Warhammer stuff. Like if you're playing a wizard because you are... Uh, using the winds of magic that are of course pure chaos and if you roll really really bad like a fumble then you get uh, corruption points and in the end that influenced your mind but also your body and so you can get mutations and that's very bad if your playing buddy is uh, playing a witch hunter so how will you explain that you got a tentacle (laughs) instead of an arm now and so on that's really really cool I like that you mentioned that the corruption system is is so neat and it's very Warhammer. It couldn't be more Warhammer, right? That that this is always lurking there. Uh, just like death is lurking around every corner 
so is the ever-present influence of the dark gods yeah that is so neat i'm super curious to see what happens in in our game uh regarding corruption no 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 <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I'll regret seeing what's going to happen, but I, I, I am, I am curious to see how it, uh, how it all plays out. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of really fun, unique things that that make it very Warhammer. I think. Mm. Now, before we we get on to our game, because I do want to hit on that because it's been so much fun. Mm. One thing that has been a new experience for both of us in this last year has been playing online. I have always been a very traditional uh, sit down at a table or Mm. in a living room and play games with people in person. And of course that stopped being an option a little while ago. And this is my very first time playing a role-playing game over or online. And just to, to make matters more interesting, we have a player in Vancouver, a player, well, myself here in Halifax, and then uh, yourself and our, our last player in Germany. So we, we have a uh, incredible time difference between the four of us. <laughs> but, I, I mean, we've made it work to this point pretty well with those Fridays. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm so impressed. I, I, was, I was really worried because I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be the, the, the problem. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so I'm glad that we've, we've been able to do that. And a couple of things with playing online. Firstly, I'm a huge fan now. I, I think it works really, really well. And I, I wasn't sure what to expect because it, it's just something I've never done before. And I didn't know how well it would translate. And the second thing is the Forge program or app, I guess, mm-hmm. that we've been using. This is now, uh, please correct me if I'm wrong here. This is the official kind of application for playing Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay online, right? Yeah, like it correct. Is, it is yeah. uh, Cubicle 7, they, their, uh, their tool. Yeah, they yeah. they made first, uh, I would say, a fan version of the Warhammer role-playing system. And I don't know which way, I think Cubicle 7 approached them and said, okay, we will give you the official license and all that stuff. And so they are now using kind of the official or working with Cubicle 7 together to produce official content for this uh, platform. And I mean, it's just really, really great. But I'm in the same boat with you. I was always the traditional player here in the living room with uh, people in front of me and rolling dice all across the floor. And what I'm really missing is giving out handouts because that was always a really fun part for me, especially here, like for Cthulhu. I made handouts, like they found old pages, so I prepared pages and wrote stuff with ink and put them in the oven or with black tea to make the paper look old and all that stuff that I really enjoyed making kind of props. And also for Warhammer role-playing game, because there are so beautiful handouts available, um, like here in an old edition of the adventure we are playing now, there was a city map and it was a, a huge map and very beautifully uh, designed and everything. But yeah, that's now getting kind of lost because now you just click and see, oh, there, there's a picture of the map, but you mm-hmm. can't hold it in your hand. So 
Yeah, yeah, there is there is a bit of a loss to the the tactile side, I guess. When when you put it like that, you know, when you're you're actually rolling dice, you're actually hand uh, you've actually got the handouts, you've got the maps and that kind of thing and and I suppose too, I always for for anything like this, I I'd usually try and uh have miniatures for everybody too, whether or not we use them. I just like having miniatures that kind of represent the characters. Mm-hmm. That is a bit of a, a of a loss. I'm just so impressed with some of the tools that we we've got for our current campaign through this forge that you can set a little bit of a an ambiance, you can set background noise that we can see those maps that we can see mm-hmm. where our characters are in these settings and there's been some some technical issues and and a lot of it was I think uh, on my end using uh, an ancient Chromebook that that was on its last legs, but there's always going to be those little hiccups whenever you're doing mm-hmm. anything online. I, I guess it, it, maybe this is just me being, you know, an old man being wowed by technology, but I've just been blown away with how smoothly and slick everything is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of that's the forge, and part of that's you've been running it really well, and being able to see portraits of of some of the characters some of the npcs as we meet them is just so cool for immersion you know you really get a sense of of how these people look and how these various locations may look and yeah i've been i've been absolutely blown away i I didn't really know what to think about Mm -hmm. online role-playing and i'm glad this was kind of my introduction to it because it's been so good and I mean, we are only scratching the surface here from the possibilities that this system or all the other systems that are, of course, also available for other um, game systems provide. I mean, it, if you go full in, it's more like a video game <laughs> because you can add uh, the sound of the fireplace, the flickering of the fire, even <laughs> background music I, I saw people have huge playlists of songs but i fear my internet connection would just go down with all that <laughs> stuff happening so yeah i would say and, and and i mean we are not playing a video game we are still playing a role-playing game so mm-hmm. i think i would keep it to a minimum and with us gaming i'm hardly using the rule book because everything i need is in the game system some well, if I can find it fast enough, but it's there, and um, that's really, really helpful. And all the the no flickering through the pages, or where's that table and what table, and the combat is really, really smooth with just clicking here, clicking there, and then you add the damage, and then you see all the side effects just in a Dropbox and so on. That's really, really cool. I'm be honest, I had to get used to it. <laughs> so like every one of our gaming group but it's it's kind of really working and i'm really enjoying it me too i think it's just been phenomenal all things considered i i I don't want to go too crazy on on praising this but i i guess it's just maybe that i i've never experienced anything quite like it that it it keeps kind of blowing my mind a little bit as (laughs) someone who is yeah, used to the the very basic uh, sit down and and play role playing games the same way they would have done in you know nineteen eighty five, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's very cool. I I do totally recommend if anyone is listening and wants to do a Warhammer Fantasy role play with their friends or or want to do want to do it online. That f- it is called Forge, right? I'm yeah, 
Okay, Forge, yeah, Forge. Virtual Forge VTT, I, I think. And the best way to look into it is uh, just watch YouTube videos with guys playing it to to know what they are talking about. So to give you an insight, uh, that uh, I think would be the best way. Yeah, absolutely. Before we hit on our current campaign, because I think we're going to finish off today talking a little bit about our current campaign. Mm-hmm. One of the things that that you mentioned that would be a good thing to talk about would be a little bit on the 40k side because for most of the time that there has been warhammer fantasy roleplay there has been some form of the same for 40k and the 40k ones and now i have a lot of experience with the dark heresy rpg mm-hmm. played that a few times probably around the same time that i was i was playing warhammer fantasy rpg and it owes a lot to Warhammer Fantasy roleplay. It was a system that was very much based off of Warhammer Fantasy. And because of that, it was different but familiar in a lot of ways. Like they kept the career system. They kept the random generation of characters if you wanted to. And they kept the imminent death is around every corner (laughs) type of thing. (laughs) Which again, like it works very well. And they also did the down and dirty you are some kind of citizen of the imperium you are not high up you are not an inquisitor you are not a space marine although they would let you do that in in Mm. various supplements and things but if you were just playing the base game you were some kind of non-important person which again i think is something that really draws me to all of these games for me and it this may just be my bias between fantasy and 40k in that I, I do prefer fantasy in, in almost any situation, but I found that this was something like Dark Heresy was really neat and, and really fun, but it felt more like a skin for Warhammer Fantasy roleplay than it did like a game on its own. Mm. Not that that's yeah. necessarily a bad thing either, because Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, as we have talked about for the last hour and a half, is a really cool game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think you're right. Maybe it was the changes of the publisher. I think after here, uh, Black Library, I think, started it, and then Fantasy Flight Games took over. I think they changed some of the game systems in between and so on. And the stuff was really expensive. And after that, you couldn't use your old stuff anymore. I don't know how compatible uh, the game systems were between the editions. But I I mean, it's still available. So the new edition is now also under Cubicle 7. Yes. Yeah. And they had had an odd thing. Uh, I think it's called Wrath and Glory now mm-hmm. the the warhammer 40k roleplay and there was an odd thing where it was published under a different publisher but only for a very short time and then it got moved over to cubicle 7 i remember that happening but i don't remember the details it's the kind of thing where i think it suffers a little bit from the success that I, this is a, a problem that games workshop has in general where space marines are too popular in that <laughs> The, the, uh, an inordinate amount of development time and resources has to be put into Space Marines because they pay all the bills. But it means that if you don't want Space Marines, you're you're kind of limited. And I, I feel like the, the new version of Wrath and Glory, and I've, I've taken a cursory look through it uh, a few times, 
but it, it does allow for things like space marines and mm. I, I think what they've what they've done is they've kind of they've moved everyone up the food chain a little bit so your characters are now things like uh junior inquisitors and and space marines and uh tech priests and that kind of thing whereas the old dark heresy stuff was very much like oh you were like some kind of hive at, at best maybe a hive bounty hunter right like like still kind of scum <laughs> um <laughs> But even the Fantasy Flight versions, I remember, they did end up releasing things like a, a Death Watch supplement where you could play mm. as the Death Watch Space Marines going after uh, various alien things. And there was one that you could play. There's one that I always wanted to do that I, I never got a chance to play, which was uh, a supplement on Chaos where you could play mm. as uh, you could play on like Chaos war- Worlds as as people who had grown up uh, or, or, you know, naturalized, I guess, in chaos, as well as, you know, rules for chaos-based Marines and, and bigger, badder things. But I always thought it'd be fun to do, like, a campaign where you're all just, like, the dregs of chaos. And, you, you know, you start off with, like, that tentacle arm that you were mentioning earlier. And I, I just thought that would be a really cool thing. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's a neat system. I, I would like to try it someday. I don't think I ever probably will because this, it's just not the way that, I role play anymore. I don't think I'd have mm-hmm. a group for it or anything like that. But it's it's an interesting, and it's it's certainly worth mentioning as mm-hmm. a as an option for anyone out there. I would kind of rather seek out the old Dark Heresy stuff. I think mm-hmm. if I was going to go for it, than the new Wrath and Glory stuff. Just the new Wrath and Glory stuff is very much set in the new era of 40k, and uh, there's there's a lot of stuff in that lore that is it's just not my favorite. But uh, funny that you mentioned playing the evil side on in 40k. I totally forgot you can also do this do this in uh, Warhammer Fantasy because in the second edition they published a book about the Skaven, Children of the Hornet Red, and it's got all the background about the different clans and history and everything. And uh, as um, you can, but you can also use this book to play as a complete Skaven group. Oh my god. How did we not do that? Oh my god. That was an option? I didn't know that was an option. <gasps> yeah, oh, so man. you can can have a group. Uh, here, one is a Ashen assassin, the other one is a warlock engineer, apprentice, and so on. It's maybe for for a one-shot session, that would be really fun. <laughs> I Yeah, I think so. I, I was going to say, this is... Probably for short campaigns because of the natural uh, inclination of the Skaven to fall out and backstab each other and, and sabotage their own plans. I, I could I think you'd have a ton of fun with it, though, on, on yeah. something like a, a one shot or like a two part campaign. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that sounds fun. I had no idea that existed. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about our ongoing campaign. It's something that mm-hmm. I've mentioned on the show before and... It's tons and tons of fun. Thank you very much for running it. It's fun, really enjoyable, and super interesting. Now, this is the fourth edition version of the Shadows over Bogenhofen campaign. Is that right? And Shadows over Bogenhofen is just one part of the campaign called The Enemy Within. Oh, okay. Okay. So we're we're more doing the enemy within and then part of that is the shadows over Pogenhofen. Yeah. Cool. Correct. Uh, since you're the GM, I, I, I got to ask you first to start off here. Uh, how are we doing? 
<laughs> you're still alive. <laughs> so not bad. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. <laughs> and and I mean, you're, now you're, every time you're entering an inn, you're just looking around for crazy people. Yeah, That's yep. a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it's been it's been tense. It's been getting really tense. The the last session more so than uh, than I think any other. And uh, just to give folks a little overview, we are a party that met on the road, met on the road to Altdorf, and boy, the road to Altdorf is not a great place, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> there are three of us. Uh, my my character is named Maglis, and I am a brigand. I, I was part of the problems on the road to Altdorf until very recently when uh, some other bigger problems came and happened to me and my little outlaw gang, and... Uh, Long story short, uh, I am on my own now, and uh, I, I've, I was traveling to Altdorf to, to seek my fame and fortune, and uh, Meglis is a little bit of a lost soul. He All he really knew uh, when he left home was that he did not want to live on a farm and do hard farm work for the rest of his life in his uh, little village, and so he has fallen in with all of the wrong crowds throughout his life, and maybe the wrongest crowd right now, because it's certainly been the most dangerous for him, has been his, his current associates. We have Brunhilda, who is our nun. She is a, a very young nun uh, who is also on her way to a, uh, a convent in Altdorf to speak with the uh, prioress there. And we had a, an entertainer named Nibomuk, who is, I guess, uh, the best way I can describe it is uh, Mr. Magooing his way through life. <laughs> Uh, Nibomuk is the best, by the way. He's my favorite character. I, I love, uh, I, I, it's, he's, Michael's so good at, as Nibomuk. He's, he's easily the, the, the most fun that I have is just when he's, he's just doing things. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, pretty happy-go-lucky though, all things considered, with all the things and, that have happened to him. And, I mean, this, um, group was also mostly generated at random, mm -hmm. and it was... The the game system is really nice on doing this because you can play the Troll Slayer if you want to. So you just can pick it. But if you roll on random on every table, so for race, for career, for your stats, everything, then you got extra experience points. So yes, you can end up to be the very weak red catcher. But then you have a lot of experience and you're a very good red catcher. So it's uh, rewarding to do the random stuff. And I really, really like that. And I think Nepomuk and Magnus were completely rolled random. And I think Brunhilde rolled three times on the career table and in the end picked up the first result that was the none of Sigma. Yeah. Doing that character creation was so much fun. And this is one of the reasons why I'm so high on that random character generation. We got such an interesting party out of that. I don't think we could have designed a more interesting party if we had tried. And still a very kind of believable down-to-earth group, right? There's no... Mm. Yeah, like, they're, I mean, troll slayers are awesome. But they shouldn't be that common, right? Like, and things like elves and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that I actually really like about the way 4th edition, the random character creation does it, is that your odds of being a human are much greater than your odds of being anything else. Because, of course, it's set in the Empire, so that makes mm -hmm. sense. 
And you can roll a dwarf or a halfling or an elf, but they are a much less chance. I think the halfling, the halfling might be the second best uh, odds, and even that is I think under ten percent. And then you get the dwarf, and then the elf, and then the mm. wood elf is only if you roll a hundred, which I think is hilarious. I think um, ninety to ninety-five percent chance that uh, you are human. Okay, yeah. yeah. So it yeah. is a very small chance that that you are a one of the other races, mm-hmm. and yeah, it, it again, it's just one of those things that helps build out the world kind of organically, even though that you're even though you're rolling for it. Yeah, your party is probably gonna be all human if you randomize it, but that's fine. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's really good, and that way, when you finally meet a dwarf or a halfling or something like that, it's it's kind of a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. Our current campaign has taken us from the roads, uh, the road to Altdorf, where we have had many run-ins with with mutants, mutants posing as humans, mutants that had taken over a, a coaching inn, and terrible things. Uh, one kind of zombie esque mutated thing that I'm really not sure what he was, um, who was also <laughs> someone that Nepomuk knew at some point. We had run-ins with snooty, uh, snooty nobility. It's it's been a wild ride, and in this last session, we got to Altdorf, and Altdorf is the most terrifying place in the whole world, <laughs> is what I learned. <laughs> it is. It, it was. It, you did a really good do- job of describing it because the way that you described it made me feel uncomfortable there. It's just this pressing mass of humanity. Everyone's busy. Everyone's in a rush. It, it the, the whole place has this sense of foreboding to it or just like, like there's something, there's always something up, right? There's always something mm. that is in a tizzy. And we were there as three kind of fish out of water characters uh, my character raised in a farm and who has spent the last several months living in the woods. Even like Nibomuk and Brunhilde, you know, n- nobody's seen anything of this scale before, right? As Altdorf. So mm-hmm. we were all very out of our element. And my my character doesn't know what to do. So, of course, he's he just tries to start doing the touristy things. <laughs> he really wants to see the <laughs> colleges of magic and, and that kind of thing. And uh, we, we have some some run ins with various uh, ad, uh, one particular doomsayer who, who died in front of us. And uh, so, oh, so, that was the best scene. I oh, mean, it was he, a good scene. He he died with mentioning all this weird stuff. And Nepomuk's character was just clapping. Yeah, he, good performance. He yeah, thinks it's a performance. <laughs> and he just just slowly stops clapping and just like, oh, 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 is he? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that was a yeah. great scene. I, and me, you saw the Empire. We saw the, the Emperor. Emperor and yeah. that was super cool. And for I, I it, and it's funny, too, because, again, like the, that whole session was so immersive that when I, you know, when you described it, I was just, I was, because I've got such a good picture of Carl Franz in my head from art and, and his miniatures and stuff. I was I was thinking of him riding through this city, through this throng of dirty people, and how swept up in that you'd get. Like, and, and we all did. Like, we were all just like, yeah, you know, it's it's the emperor. Like, this is the best thing that we've ever seen. And it's, it was really neat because seeing someone from, the tabletop game, right? And you, you, when you're playing Warhammer, like the in the the tabletop, you know, special characters, they're around, whatever. It's you kind of forget how important they are to the lore and how important mm-hmm. they are to their the the factions and the peoples, and just how incredible it would be to see 
in person, uh, mm-hmm. even from a distance, someone like the Emperor. That was that was a really cool scene. I really liked that. <laughs> Definitely a high point for us of the outdoor leg of our journey. <laughs> yeah. The I, I, I do want to mention the the scene in the tavern because I think this is something that only really works in Warhammer Fantasy roleplay. We're in a tavern talking with an associate of Nipomuk, and it's just a kind of a scummy, you know, dive bar or dive in, I guess. And there's a couple of nobles that are slumming it, basically, and, and they're to, to harass and make fun of the poor. And you can't really do anything because they're surrounded by a few big, burly bodyguards. Any one of those bodyguards, you know, is uh, quite a sl- bit larger than we are. And again, none of us are natural warriors. I'm probably the closest. And, you know, mm-hmm. my character is from what he's learned in, you know, in the span of time that he has been adventuring or, or I guess like with when he spent time with his uh, his outlaw gang. But he's still not properly trained right like he's never been in military service he's never done a lot of these these things that would probably make him what you would consider a warrior in the warhammer world and he is our best martial character (laughs) so you know everything's intimidating i guess is what i'm trying to say to our group and so these nobles of course uh, uh, nipomuk is is singing a song and and you know making a bit of a fool of himself but nobody really seems to mind but the, the the nobles kind of start in on him and eventually uh as the night goes on uh they notice our nun character brunhilda and she is probably the most fish out of water in this kind of scummy bar and she's just a, a, a like a young girl kind of thing and uh they come up and they start kind of harassing her and so there's this this point where there's myself and there's nipomuk and we're just like okay well we have to figure out how to stop this but these are nobles we can't just attack them we couldn't do what you would do in dungeons and dragons or another roleplay game firstly i mean best case scenario if we somehow defeated and and killed all of these these people because we're talking about like five people here then we're gonna have to be on the run and we're gonna have to figure out you know what what to do uh, and how to get out of the situation. But even ignoring that, we're probably not going to win in the first place because there's these three big burly bodyguards. So this is getting really tense because now they're starting to like try and like touch on her and, and get her to like, you know, go with them. And they're talking about all sorts of lewd things. So Nipomuk's trying and unfortunately isn't able to kind of talk down the situation. And so my character using this, uh, the distraction and, and Brunhilde is, is uh, kind of trying to get a, a, a mob going, basically, to, to defend her honor. So my character starts to use it as cover to draw his sword and, of course, doesn't the biggest, baddest of the, the bodyguards notice right away because, you know, he's a trained warrior, mm-hmm. which is exactly the kind of person I'm looking to avoid at all costs. And so now I find myself in this confrontation with him. And I have to tell you, my heart was beating (laughs) during this whole time because this is so stressful. And this is a bar encounter with thugs is what this comes down to. This wouldn't even be an encounter in 99% of role-playing games. But in this role-playing game, it was the most stressed I have been in (laughs) quite some time. I was 
at my wits end trying to think of how we were going to get out of this without dying. Mm -hmm. And finally, I'm just like, okay, so I, I, I had to meet this guy's challenge because I think otherwise, I mean... Like, I, I got the sense that, you know, like, one way or another, this guy was going to fight me. So I, I had to kind of get up to, to try and mm. uh, uh, defend myself at the very least. And he, he takes a swing at me. And uh, luckily, uh, Brunhilde had been able to bless me uh, with the blessing of Sigmar, which increased my weapon skill. And didn't I end up not only parrying his blow but also returning a critical hit to his head and slicing open his head. And basically, he hits the ground and, and the, the fight is over in that one moment. And my character's standing there, probably the most surprised of anyone in that bar. <laughs> and the whole time, it was one of the most memorable fights I have I have had in uh, a, a long and illustrious career of uh, of playing role-playing games. And it was all so mundane. Like it, it, it basically amounted to this bar fight, but because of the system and because the way this game works, and not only that, but the the setting, like the low down setting of it, being like, well, you can't attack these nobles. Like you just, you can't. Like they're 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 above you. You know, you're mm. you're not gonna you're not gonna win this way. And even if you did, you'd have so many more problems just forced us to you know into the super high stakes situation in a way that is not like a high adventure right like it's not you know storming a, a castle it's not mm. delving the depths of a mine and, and fighting trolls or anything it but it was so exciting and it was so heart poundingly intense and after it was done i was just like i want to go i want to get out of outdoor right now <laughs> like i i it's funny because like I feel like my character feels the same way just because he's like he he spent all this time trying to get to Altdorf and Altdorf is horrible. Like he feels <laughs> just like a fish out of water. His sixth sense like for danger is always going off. He feels like he's just exhausted from being nervous here. And oh man, it was so good. <laughs> it was so so good. I mean, I'm I'm really really happy that you guys and enjoyed it so much because for me it's kind of double or extra difficult because I'm not a native speaker in English. So it's really hard for me to find the right words at the right moment or to transport the atmosphere. And in the rule, in the adventure book, there are side notes for all the different accents the, the NPCs speak. So you can just from the accents recognize them as upper class or working class and so on. But I can't do that because that would just be hilarious. So I just have to find other ways to transport the feeling, the atmosphere, everything mm. you do as a game master. But you are also really great because the group is kind of doing half the work because of all the role playing in between with the world and so it's like sometimes it's really like a film and mm -hmm. you have this picture in your head and it's just like an episode and, yeah. and sometimes i just wish there was some some narrator like in the last episode of warhammer the world play <laughs> game yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah oh man it is just like that and we've been doing them in 
two to three hour sessions. Mm-hmm. It, so it has felt kind of cinematic in that way or episodic because they're they're all very compartmentalized in my mind, even though this is an ongoing story. So like the, the and especially the last one where we arrived in Altdorf and all this all this stuff happened feels like a uh, yeah, like almost uh, almost a finale for like the first arc of us just, you know, like the road to Altdorf kind of thing. So it's it's been really interesting. And I, I one of the things that I, I think one of the last parts of, of that little story that that hit me when we were when we were doing it was that in the end, of course, uh, I defeat that bodyguard and it kind of diffuses the the situation in that like the nobles have decided you know that they're to to go elsewhere at least seek mm. easier prey but the thing was like they just left like we didn't really get justice or anything right like we we just kind of survived that encounter mm. like there wasn't there was no real reward other than something terrible didn't happen to us <laughs> And I, I think that, that it just speaks to the setting again, right? Like it's it's just there's there's often not a big pot of gold at the end of the rainbow or anything, right? It's mm-hmm. it's just like oh, congratulations, you keep to you get to keep going on like, <laughs> to the next horrible death. Yeah, possibly. exactly, exactly. <laughs> I I was hoping that I could avoid because these characters are are in such a dangerous world and because they're. Uh, you know, they they were randomly created. I was just like, okay, I'm not going to get too attached to the character. Because, I mean, mm. you know, odds are something awful is going to happen. And now I'm so attached to all of the characters <laughs> that I'm just, I, I'm sweating bullets whenever we're in combat. So, oh. But it makes for a better game overall because I'm, I'm invested. But I was just, I was hoping that this exact thing wouldn't happen so that I wouldn't be super nervous <laughs> in every combat. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, it's, but, it's I great. Mean... You're leaving Altdorf and traveling to Bogenhafen on a small river barge that will be really, really ele- relaxing. I can mm-hmm. promise. Oh <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm looking to just I'm just gonna kick back. I'm, I'm gonna take in the Reich. And I'm sure there will not be any any run-ins with anything horrible coming no, out of the water no, or on no. the shores. Mm-mm, nothing, nothing. <laughs> for sure. Only bad weather, maybe. Okay, I mean bad. I mean bad weather. That's that's been half the game so far. Is uh, we yeah. started in bad weather, and it's it just. Oh yeah. man, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, no, it's 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 a real real pleasure, and I really like to uh, the way we are playing with this short sessions because it's, I mean, we are almost playing now weekly, and it's kind of easy for me to prepare the sessions and i mean we are ju- every one of us is sitting in front of a of a monitor of a screen and i'm doing that at work all the time and so it can get a little bit exhausting to do this and so the time the duration is just right for me as a game master at least yeah i'm, I'm glad i'm glad it works so well and I'm, I'm glad we were able to find that time that everyone was available for it's our, our weird little friday uh morning slash afternoon slot and it's really really nice before we go there's one question i forgot to ask you earlier but i i do want to get your opinion on it because mm-hmm. we both really enjoy the career system of warhammer fantasy roleplay my question to you would be what is your favorite career and i guess as an addition to that if you could play any career, which one do you think you would choose if you were if you were to go, going to play in a game? 
Oh, oh man. Oh, that's a good one. The funniest one would be Wizard because everything will be oh my God, yeah. horrible. <laughs> everything is terrible. <laughs> um, but I must say, I really liked one of the careers our last gaming group. One uh, player was uh, gaming and that was the career of one uh, being a knight of the blazing sun. And it was just great because she was every time talking in an accent. So like she's coming from, uh, what was it? Estalia. Oh, yeah. And uh, with her horse, her horse was the most precious item ever. Yeah. <laughs> and and that was because she always thought she was blessed by Myrmidia, of course. And so a knight for, from one of the orders would be really cool because it's, ah, I mean, you're walking on the edge, like going Inquisition style, killing all the heretics or <laughs> being the noble knight, kind of. I mean, it can swing around easily. In, in the Warhammer world. Yeah. Especially if you got a witch hunter around. So mm -hmm. in the end, all the villages you visit go up in smoke because they were mutants. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, but in a knightly order. So starting as a, as a squire and then working up the let, uh, the letter. That would be cool. Yeah. That is a very, very cool, uh, career path for sure. Yeah. I like that answer a lot. I think for myself, I kind of like the the more mundane classes. Some of the some of the very starting stuff that is is almost like wretched is I think really interesting. Uh so like the the villager, the beggar, uh those <laughs> the the rat catcher, right? Mm -hmm. Uh the one that I the one that I'm always kind of intrigued by is actually the messenger. Ooh. Yeah, I it just I don't know. It harkens back. I, I do have kind of a love of some of the, the stories of the Old West and like the Pony Express and stuff that would go risking life and limb to deliver mail. Uh, something about that really appeals to me. And uh, I, I like the fact that you could either be a rider, you know, riding between towns or that kind of thing, or even in a city, just like like mm. a runner, just, you know, running mm. uh, and, and delivering missives and messages and things. And oh. I, I think that would lend itself to something really fun. So I, I think that yeah. would be, be mine. But even just like looking through them in a book, I think there's ways to make all of them just so interesting. And, and they all lend themselves to some really fun character ideas. Yeah, and, and talking about the messenger, wasn't there a special messenger for the dwarves? So, like a runner running yes. through all the tunnels yes. and delivering the messages? Yeah, there is um, there's one, and I think it's... Oh, I don't know about in fourth edition if it's if it's its own thing or if it's just under the like the messenger career path now. It's definitely in first uh, in the first edition because there was yeah. a picture of a dwarf. <laughs> he's, yeah. yeah, he's running, he's sprinting. Yeah, this so that was um, they would actually run through the underway, which I think mm -hmm. is really cool. The old uh, series of dwarf tunnels mm -hmm. and deliver messages between holds. I mm -hmm. think that is just the coolest thing in the world. And yeah. also horribly dangerous. That is a... <laughs> of course. <laughs> I think I'd rather maybe be a human messenger, but you, you never know. I, I, it's good stuff. It's it's all really good. And 
could probably sit here and, and talk about all the fun things in, in this game, <laughs> uh, I think, for the rest of the night. But we should not do that. In the interest of me being able to uh, to get this all edited up, I think we should probably call it. Was there anything else that you wanted to mention? No, I'm I'm just enjoying our gaming and I'm really looking forward to think of a way to kill all you guys really horrible <laughs> and slowly of course no no i'm i'm really enjoying it and i mean i know what the campaign is going for so you will be you will have so much fun oh, i'm very oh. excited really yeah. really excited and this is this is a classic campaign oh, yeah. as well that goes back to the yeah. very beginning and i yeah. i know nothing about it so it's all surprises for me and i i'm loving every moment of it yeah I mean, that's one campaign I think every role player dreams of playing or game mastering it once in a lifetime. And I started playing it as a player, I think, three or five times and never finishing more than one adventure book. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and then we started playing it as me as a game master in our regular gaming group and we played it for, oh, I think, five years or so. But the downtime between sessions was getting uh, longer and longer. And in the end, I just call it a day after the the third volume. So, yeah. And now with a fresh start and a new edition, let's see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks so much for joining me today. This has been uh, tremendous fun, and I hope it's been fun for everyone to listen to as well. And I'm thinking of some ways to incorporate a little bit of Warhammer Fantasy roleplay in this podcast, whether that be doing something like making randomized characters for fun or perhaps someday doing a one shot or a small little campaign and and making it into uh, some podcast episodes but that is all future endeavors that is gonna be it for this one thanks again marcel for joining me and thanks for listening until next time have a great week thanks for listening to this episode of the war games orchard If you like the show, why not support us on Patreon? Our Patreon is where you will find our bonus content, and is totally non-tiered. So for whatever donation you'd like, you can have access to all of our bonus content. If Patreon's not your thing, then consider giving us a 5-star rating on your podcast platform of choice, and sharing this show with friends. If you'd like to get in touch with us, check out what's new with the War Games Orchard, or just say hello. You can find us on Facebook. Our community page is the Warhammer Orchard. And while you're there, you can follow our regular page, the Wargames Orchard. Outside of Facebook, you can get a hold of us by email at wargamesorchard at gmail.com. Why didn't anyone tell me there's a Warhammer game where it's good to roll ones all the time? I was born for this. (laughs) 